morning church we're going to read in genesis chapter 21 uh, verse 1 to verse 8 genesis chapter 21 verse 1 to verse 8 and it reads as follows and the lord visited sarah as he had said and the lord did unto sarah as he had spoken for sarah conceived and bare abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight, eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was an hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Amen. Please turn to Genesis chapter 21. It is great to see you. Thank you for coming to church, making this a priority in your life. It's a great way to begin the week. Thank you for those on Zoom. We appreciate you guys being there. We continue our series, course, in Abraham. So today... What must you learn to do in adversity? What must you learn to do when life is tough that will make you bulletproof to the trials of life? I have great counsel for you. It won't cost you any money. This is great medicine for your soul. In a day where pharmaceuticals are very expensive, where Big Pharma is raking it all in. I want to put Big Pharma out of business by encouraging you to take the cheapest form of medicine available, and that's laughter. Laughter. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. There's a lot going on today that can break our spirit. Don't let it happen. Proverbs 15:13 says a merry heart maketh what? A cheerful countenance. When you're joyful in your heart, it's going to come out in your countenance and vice versa. But by sorrow of the spirit of heart, the spirit is broken. Don't let your bones dry up or your spirit be broken. We need to have the joy of the Lord. The best way to deal with troubles in life is laughter. Laughter can lift you out of your fears and through your failures. It can help you deal with tragedy and trial that can so easily break us. And I'm not just talking flippant laughter. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord kind of laughter. Laughter can lift you out of a horrible situation. And our text today 
And I've preached this passage a few times, but I've always preached it on a Mother's Day. And I've preached it from a mother's perspective. But today we're going to talk about it just from a general perspective where Sarah says, and this is what really caught my attention today in this passage, Genesis 21 and verse number 6, it says, And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. So that's the message. You see that? Laugh. Sarah says, all that hear will laugh with me. God's given us a story in the Bible that He says we can laugh about. Okay? So God has a sense of humor. He's made us with the sense of humor. So the Lord says, here's a story in the Bible that should actually like, when you think it through, you should be able to say, that is like funny, you know? God is amazing. And God says, go ahead and laugh. Let's pray as we begin. Now, Lord, take this time. Use it to challenge us, encourage us in these amazing days that we're living in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first thing we want to see here in our passage, again, is that Isaac means he laughs. That's what his name means. And Sarah, as we just said, says, God has made me to laugh. As she's holding this baby. Now, what, she's thinking of everything that's happened, right? And when God told, why did God tell Abraham and Sarah to name this boy Isaac? Because when God told Abraham that actually Sarah is going to have a son, and not only that, she's going to be a princess of a whole bunch of children, Abraham what? Abraham laughed. And then, later on, Abraham was talking to the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. Remember, Jesus and two angels were talking with Abraham. And, and the Lord said to Abraham, as the tent with Sarah is behind them, and Sarah is in the tent, remember? And the Lord says, uh, where, where's Abraham? And, or where's Sarah? And he said, oh, she's in the tent. And Sarah's like listening through the tent. And the Lord told Abraham, Sarah's going to have a baby. And Sarah in the tent, (laughs) she actually laughed in her heart. She didn't laugh out loud. But the Lord said, Sarah laughed. And then Sarah, when she, she heard the whole thing, she said, the Lord just said I laughed. I did not laugh. Sarah comes out, you know. So, Abraham laughed, and Sarah laughed, and then Isaac is born, and God has the last laugh. Isaac was no joke. And now Sarah's laughing with joy. Here's how I understand this passage. Sarah said, God is making me laugh about this whole thing. He even named the boy laughter. You know, he laughs. He says, everybody who hears about this I hope they can laugh, not just at me, but you're going to laugh with me. Because Sarah's laughing too. You know, so Sarah was laughing at herself. And a situation happened to her that she, can said, that she could say, don't just laugh at me, I'm laughing too. You can laugh with me. And that's what we have to do in life. We have to be able to laugh at ourselves. And then say, you know what, this happened to me? You've got to laugh with me about this. It's like when 
There was a church when Debbie and I were first married. A church in Landrum, South Carolina said we could be their youth pastor. So we were going to drive up there on a Wednesday night. And it, it, was, dark at, it was dark during that time of year when, as we were driving up there. But he said there's a sign on the side of the road where you have to make a left-hand turn. Of course, this is before GPS, right? There's a, there's a sign there. You make a left-hand turn. You can't miss the sign. And it's right there, and he told me it's like the Bigelow sign, because there was a Bigelow carpet industry over there. Make a left there and just go down two whatever miles, and that's where the church is. So he didn't know, though, we had a Nova car, a blue Chevrolet Nova. And it was old. Debbie's grandmother had given, it, given this car to us, and it was like, boom, boom, boom. You know, it was one of those chuggers. Like, boom, 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 boom. So, you know, and one light pointed up like this, and the other light pointed down like that. And you couldn't actually see the road when you're driving with Doctor. So we're like going down, boom, 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 boom. Where's the sign? We can't see the sign, you know, because one light's like this and the other light's like that. And we drove up and we didn't see. Let's go back. Let's see if we can see. We, no, we went up and down. So finally we just took some left-hand turn and we're like, boom, 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 you know, drive. And we look at this house over there. Maybe that's a church. Maybe it's like a house church. We didn't know how big this church was or anything. So we said, let's stop at this Let's stop there. Maybe that's the church. So we stop, and I knock on the door, and, they, and somebody comes to the door, and there's a whole bunch of guys drinking beer or watching a football game. I was like, is this a church? They're like, no, <laughs> this is not the church. And I said, what, do you know where Grace Baptist Church is? And there's like, yeah, you know, I got three more different directions. Yeah, make a left here, make a right. And I had no idea where the church was after that. Anyway, we found the church. <laughs> Laugh with me. Because sometimes you want to cry. So on another occasion, Debbie and I, we were, our first place that we ever lived, it was above a garage. We got to live rent-free while I, I was in grad school. The only thing we had to, I had to do was weed the garden beds, and we had to babysit the, the, the owner's grandchild on occasion. So I remember one time I weeded all of the, the garden beds, and I came in, and Debbie hugged me, and she said, good job, honey, for weeding those garden beds. What she didn't know is that I had poison ivy all over me. And so we got poison ivy all over us. Isn't that great? So I remember another occasion. It was wintertime, and it never snows in South Carolina. But guess what was on the ground? Snow. And we had a fight. It was a very important fight we were having. And I was absolutely right over something that was very important. And I got so upset at my wife. In our little, we had a one-room apartment above the garage. You could only stand up in the middle. Literally, to go to the bathroom, you had to like go like this, you know? And we had this fight. I didn't even have shoes on my feet with snow on the ground. I walked across the snow, trudged across the snow, didn't have a coat on. I was so mad. I opened up that, the Nova, the blue Nova. I sat in there, and my feet are freezing, and smoke is coming out of my mouth. You know, not cigarettes, but I didn't smoke. But you know what I'm saying, in the cold. And I'm sitting in the car. I'm like, what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> like, what are you, you're studying for the ministry. You have a beautiful wife in there. Do you know what the fight was about, by the way? I have no idea what the fight was about. I can't remember. And I was wrong. I was wrong. Whatever it was, I know that. But, you know, as, as I sat in the Blue Nova that day, the thought came to me, get in there with your beautiful wife who loves Jesus and work it out. 
And we've been working things out ever since. This December, 40 years, amen? So it can happen. So we've had interesting experiences. I remember when we were moving up from our little one-room apartment. We were moving our stuff up, up north. And so we had a friend, and he had a trailer, and so we borrowed his car and his, his trailer, and he showed me how to work it, so made sure that, you know, and I put the blinkers on, the lights on the trailer went on, and how to hook it onto the hitch of his car, and all this kind of thing. So we, we brought this stuff up, and we stopped at my parents' house in Creskill, New Jersey. That's where I grew up, right across the river in New Jersey. And then we were going to drop some stuff at my house, and then we are going to drop other stuff up at Debbie's house in Connecticut. And then we were going to start our ministry of deputation where we were going to raise support to come to New York. So we had our friend's car and his trailer. And we stopped at my house and we took a lot of stuff uh, and put it in my, my, my attic where my parents lived in New Jersey. And then we were, we were driving up, you know where the Tappan Zee or the Mario Cuomo Bridge and then the I-287 it connects with I-95 going up. We were on I-287 right around rush hour. And all of a sudden, I'm driving that car and hit a bump. Boom! And the trailer pops off. In the middle of rush hour traffic. Trucks and buses and cars. And all of a sudden, I'm driving along. And the trailer goes, I'm like, whoa! I was like, whoa! And I'm just like, oh, no! Ah! What's going to happen? I was like, I don't know. What's going to happen? You know that trailer went, shh, like this. And it went like this. And it went right into the median. And it stopped. I was like, ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, and I mean, sparks were flying and everything. Because, you know, I mean, the trailer was like going across the highway. It's like, I forgot somehow to hitch back the trailer on properly when we stopped in New Jersey. So anyway, so we, we go over there, and somebody even stopped. Do you need help? I'm like, no, it's okay. So we put the, I made sure, you know, I, I remember I opened up the gate to make sure everything was okay. Everything was still okay in there. And then, you know, we, we got back on the road. I'm like, I can't believe after that that we're just like driving along. Like really nothing happened. And all of a sudden we're driving along. And everybody's going, bonk, bonk, bonk. They're bonking at me. Like, what, what, what did I do wrong now? What did I do wrong now? And, and the guy's like, and he's pointing. I'm like, oh, no, what's the matter with the trailer? I, so I pull the trailer over again, and I go back there. I had opened it up and left the door open. Oh, you laugh with me. Don't laugh at me. I'm laughing at myself. I, I got so, I was so nervous and so worried about everything going on. That I, but still, everything was all right, you know. Man, you got to learn to laugh at yourself. And then just let others laugh with you. That's how, that's how I read this passage. As Sarah said, laugh. I'm laughing at myself. Laugh with me about what God is doing. Because, beloved, it's good to learn to laugh at yourself. Now, don't laugh at somebody else if, it's, if they're not laughing. <laughs> then you're laughing at them. You see? Learn to laugh at yourself. Though, And that will really help you in life. Don't take yourself so seriously. Sometimes we take ourselves so seriously and we make other people the butt of our jokes. That's not the way. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about how you should laugh at other people. No, don't laugh at other people. Laugh at what God has done in you 
that almost is like, I can't believe that happened, but yet it worked out kind of a situation, you know? There's a lot of stuff we go through, right? That's funny and amazing. And it's important because we're living in truly serious times. And, it's, and, and even, you know, with this, ma- this passage and with this text, I said, should I preach this today? This is like, does it even fit the times? Is it appropriate for the kind of day we're living in? And I thought, I said, yes, it is. It's absolutely appropriate. This is when we need to hear even a message like this, to laugh and to rejoice. Because the Bible does say, rejoice in the Lord when? Doesn't just say in good times. Always. There's a barrage of bad news that could really discourage us. There's a widespread forsaking of God in every institution of America. Marxist, ungodly, pagan ideas are being taught to our children. And school boards around the country, parents are even rising up. You've seen the meetings, right? And some of these school board meetings, parents are rising up and saying, we don't want this Marxism taught to our children. And so what does the Department of Justice do? They're criminalizing now and want to go after some of these mothers and treat them like terrorists. That's America. That's discouraging. We're being conditioned like laboratory rats and told to believe the science. I think it actually means believe what Anthony Fauci says, no matter what. We're we're being conditioned to fear a virus more than sin. We're conditioned to believe in science more than Jesus Christ. We're conditioned to follow an elite class of billionaires and bureaucrats like Bill Gates and others like them. Rather than Jesus and the Bible, don't be afraid of this life. Fear God. And fear sin. And if you're not saved, fear eternal death and hell. These are tough times. I heard in 2020 was the single largest increase of homicides that this country's ever seen. Think about that. The single largest increase in homicides in 2020. There's a lot of reasons for that, so we don't have to get into all of it, but at least part of those reasons is probably this whole defund the police movement that has created or caused a lot of negativity toward our law enforcement and a, a flagrant disregard of the law. These are tough times. We're in danger of losing our freedoms as Americans as we're being forced into these vaccinations that many people don't want to take for whatever reason. And I, I, I always thought it was my body, my choice, but I guess when it comes to these experimental emergency mRNA shots, more what they are, we're in danger of losing our freedoms. And many people, and it, it breaks my heart actually, many people are losing their jobs. Just this weekend, many Americans in fields of work where we were told when the pandemic started, these were the essential workers. Now they're being fired. Military, health workers, education, teachers, airline industries. And we've we've heard about these things. It breaks my heart. We've told... Black Lives Matter, right? That's a big movement that came out of this pandemic. And sure, black lives matter. All lives do, you know, but 
Now 70% of the black people who are not vaccinated in New York City can't even go and sit in a restaurant. Isn't that something? These are sad times in, in a lot of ways. So I, I, I kind of thought, should I preach a sermon like, laugh? <laughs> and I still said, yes. Because in the, in the midst of serious things, we still must keep our sense of humor. We must still rejoice in the Lord. We must keep our faith strong in Jesus Christ. And we must have a heart that is full of joyful praise to God. Because He hasn't and will never change. So let me just share a few points today. And the introduction hopefully will be the longest part of the message. The four things I want to say about laugh with me is, and this is why Sarah could say laugh with me, is because God visits His people. God visits His people. He has visited us. That's in verse 1. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah. He visited Sarah. Now what does that mean? That means that He literally, personally, worked in Sarah's life, intervened, personally in her life so that she could conceive seed. The Lord visited Sarah. That was significant to me because when I I searched this word visited, I see where God visited Israel as a nation on different occasions, especially we see it when they were in Egypt. The Lord visited Israel when they were in Egypt and He delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. He redeems His people. And we can rejoice in that. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people. And also, I love this verse in Luke chapter 7. If you you turn to this passage, please. In Luke chapter 7, this is the story of a dear widow woman whose husband had died. We don't know how or why. But now her only son had died. And Luke chapter 7. And it says, in verse 11, it says, It came to pass the day after that He went, Jesus, into the city of Nain. And many of His disciples went with Him and much people. And when He came nigh to the gate of the city, behold... There was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Much people of the city was with her. And so here was this widow woman, and Jesus looked upon her and His heart was moved. It even says in the next verse, He had compassion. He was moved with compassion toward this woman. And He told her, weep not, which probably made no sense to her. Weep not. I'm alone in this life. She had everything to weep for. But Jesus said, weep not at the most sad moment in her life. Now here's how you could keep from weeping when that's all you want to do. Just listen to Jesus. Get into His Word. Trust Him. Because Jesus said to her, weep not. That means, I got it. I've got this. And Jesus went over and He touched that buyer. And he raised that young man from death. Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he began to speak and he delivered that boy back to his mother, alive. 
Jesus was right. She didn't have to what? Weep. And then look what it says. And here's the verse on the screen. In verse 16. There came a fear on all and they glorified God saying that a great prophet has risen up among us and that God has visited His people. God sent His Son for the sins of the world. And Jesus Christ has visited the world for the, to save whosoever will may come to Him. Jesus came to deliver you from the weeping of this life and give you eternal life. Weep not. God has visited His people through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the point is, is Jesus came to the world but He works individually in each life. And He wants to visit you. And so, just as the Lord had visited Abraham, now He visited Sarah. Sarah conceives. And so we see God visits people personally to intervene miraculously. Even as Jesus Himself visited that dear widow woman. Here He visits Sarah. God visits us individually. He wants to visit you. Let him in. He's knocking. Amen? And he, want, he visits in hopeless times. Hopeless, I mean, when you are beyond all human ability, as Sarah and Abraham were, they were beyond all possibility of having a child at the age that they were in. And yet the Lord visited her and did what only He could do. God visits His people. The second thing is why we can always rejoice and laugh and have joy in our hearts is because God keeps His Word. That's also, if you go back to Genesis 21 in verse number 1 and 2, three different times it emphasizes for us in this text that God is faithful to His Word. It says, and the Lord visited Sarah as He had said, right? That's His Word. And the Lord did unto Sarah as He had spoken. As He had spoken. As He said. Verse 2, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken. <coughs> Excuse me, to him. Wow. So this passage tells us of the long-awaited fulfillment of God's promise to them. They had to wait. How, how many years did they have to wait? This is the culmination of waiting for about 25 years. 25 years they waited. It's not easy to wait five minutes sometimes. 25 years! And in the midst of that, they made some bad decisions, didn't they? They thought God needed their help. Oh, Sarah. Sarah had a great idea. Sarah, I'm not going to have any kids. Have a child through. Hagar, you know the story. We talked about it. They, they thought God was in a hurry. Hurry up, God. We need the baby. Here, have it through, Sarah, have it through Hagar. And even Abraham said, let Ishmael be the promised seed. Let Ishmael be 
the one who will live before you, Lord. And God said, no, Sarah's going to have a son. <laughs> and she's going she's to be a princess of many, many children, many nations. We're going to come out of Abraham and Sarah. Man, how many times do we just get in a hurry and think we have to help God out and we get into things that we shouldn't get into? We make bad decisions along the way. We need to repent of them. And Sarah even made a fearful denial. We talked about that when she said, I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh. And she, actually, she lied, right? Because she did laugh. God said she laughed. So guess what? She laughed. <laughs> and it, it, it even says in the text, because she was afraid. She was afraid. So she, she lied. That's when we often lie, isn't it? We're just afraid. We're afraid of being found out. But in the midst of this, in spite of the bad decisions they make, and I, I say this not so that you could say, okay, I'll go make bad decisions. No, that's not the point. <laughs> Don't make bad decisions. Make good decisions. But we do make bad decisions, right? And we often are fearful in life and denying what's actually true in our own hearts. Maybe we don't even want to face what's in our own hearts. God is still faithful to His Word. In spite of ourselves. God is faithful. He'll always be true. His promises are true. Hebrews chapter 11. Can you read it with me? It says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged Him faithful who had promised. So even though they made bad decisions, even though they, they laughed and said God couldn't do what He said, there was still a faith in their hearts. And sometimes I read that passage in Hebrews 11, or go to, go to even Romans chapter 4, and honestly, sometimes when I read Romans 4, I'm like, isn't this overstating Abraham's faith, you know? Because he made bad decisions, and, and there was a part of him that, it didn't seem like his faith was strong. But look what it says in Romans chapter 4, where it says in verse 19, Romans 4.19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith. Strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was able also to perform. God is able to do what He says. And sometimes our faith is weak and we're like that father. I often think of that father. He said, Lord, I believe, but help what? Help my unbelief. Because there's a part of me, yes, I really believe, and I'm giving you glory, and I'm trusting you. And then there's a part of me that says, huh, really? You know, but we, we believe. None of us are perfect, even in our faith. But I have good news for you. God is perfect in His faithfulness. We're not perfect in our faith. But God is absolutely true to His promises. And He's faithful in His promises. He's promised us eternal life. And we've memorized that in 1 John chapter 2. 
He's promised us eternal life. And He is faithful to give us eternal life through Jesus Christ His Son. He's promised us His Word is true. And we can bank on the Word of God. Jesus said, Thy Word is truth. Sanctify them through Thy truth. This is how we will be sanctified. Through the Word of God. Yes, believe it. It's true. He is coming again. Jesus is coming again. How do I know that? He said it. Don't worry about it. He said it. We can trust Him. God is faithful. We have exceeding great and precious promises. And it's through those exceeding great and precious promises that we will lose our interest in the things of this world. And yes, even the troubles and the trials and the heartaches and all of the the bad things that happen in this life. You may lose your job. You may lose your child. This pastor standing right here might be dead by next Sunday as our dear brother over there died this past week in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. But God is good. And His promises are true. Whatever happens to us, God is faithful. He is good. And His promises are true. He answers our prayers. He says that He would. A a third reason why we can laugh with the Lord and always rejoice. Not not just because God visits us. By the way, has God visited you? Has God ever come to you and you felt His presence? Have you accepted Jesus Christ and really turned to Him in repentance and faith? Repent. Believe the Gospel. Repentance is a change of mind and a turning from. And faith is a turning to God. Repentance and faith. God visits His people to get us to believe. And then He shows us that His Word is true. And He keeps His Word. We can rejoice. And, and you know, then as, when God visits you, and you see His Word is true, and then it gives you mojo, you know, mo- momentum to obey. So here's the momentum of Sarah and Abraham building on the momentum of God personally visiting them, of God keeping His Word, and then it just naturally leads them to obey. And the Lord had just told them two basic things to do. Number one, call the boy's name what? Isaac. And number two, on the eighth day, what must you do to the boy? circumcise him. So when God visits you, keep His Word. And show your obedience, or show your joy through obedience. Amen. Obey the Lord. Follow in obedience. So they did exactly what God said. So look at the text. Verse 3, it says, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And then, so... They named their son Isaac, which means he laughs. Which means they, God didn't want them to forget the whole situation, the story. God wants us to remember what He does in our life. He wants us to... Re- we all have a story. You know, you have a story to tell. Think about your story, as I said earlier, you know. And think about even the, 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 the things you've done in the past that were like that were really stressful when you went through them, but then you look back and you laugh at them. Like, uh, the, you know the first fight I had with my wife? I'll tell you all my fights today. 
The first, you know the first fight I had with my wife? It was in the pastor's office two minutes after we got married. So we're in the office, and my wife says to me, my brand new bride, whom I love, she said, tell your father not to throw the rice as we're leaving the church, because her grandmother had to clean the rice up as it was thrown in the church carpet. There was no, you know, maintenance team going to do it. It was going to be her mother and her grandmother and her great-grandmother, you know, vacuum up all these little rice pellets. So she said, go tell your father, and it wasn't a suggestion, tell your father not to throw the rice. So I go out, I said, Dad, uh, please, would you please not throw the rice? And he said, of course we're going to throw the rice, son. You know, it's my dad. So I'm like, I, I go to Debbie. I said, Debbie, they're going to throw the rice. You go out there and tell them not to throw the rice. So I did. I, I went back. I'm trying to be a good husband, you know. And, and I said, Dad, please don't throw the rice. Son, we're going to throw the rice. Come on out. Let's go. So I said, Debbie, they're going to throw the rice. So, so we're running out, and they're throwing the rice, and we run to our car. It's December, December 19th, 1981. This year will be our how many anniversary? Okay, I already told you. I know. <laughs> and, and so they're throwing the rice. And Debbie, sen- she has sensitive eyes too. And that was another reason why she didn't want them to throw the rice. So they're throwing the rice, and, and they're still throwing the rice. We're outside. They're still throwing the rice. We run to the car, and we go to open up the car, and my brother locked the keys in the car. And they're throwing the rice at us, and we're standing there locked out. Okay. Life can really... I mean, when that happened, you think I was laughing? But you look back, and it's like, can you believe that that happened? Laugh with me. So they called him Isaac, and, they, and God says, circumcise him. And verse 4, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. So the fact that there's a nation of Israel is only by the grace of God. And those two things, Abraham would never have done on his own. He never would have circumcised his son, and he never would have called him Isaac, except the Lord had commanded him, and he was willing to obey. And I just simply want to say this, beloved. You know this. But when you obey God, it makes you happy. Obedience brings joy. Now, a lot of people are looking for joy the other way around. They think they're going to find joy through sin. That's how the world thinks they're going to find it. Through alcohol, through drugs, through premarital sex, through adultery. Oh, joy. No. Joy is in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. The joy of the Lord. And that joy comes through obedience. That was Nehemiah chapter 8 when they obeyed the Lord, heard the Word of God in Nehemiah chapter 8, turned to the Lord in revival, and kept that wonderful Feast of Tabernacles. And they had joy. The joy of the Lord. Obedience brings joy. And The reason I'm really preaching this message today is because we can have joy even in dark, difficult, trouble-filled days because we have joy through obedience to the Lord. One verse, go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And this is the early church. They were really being persecuted for their faith. It's coming here. 
It's coming to America. If not in our generation, our children are going to face real difficult times, young people. It's not going to be easy for you to stand up for Jesus as you grow up into adulthood. You're going to face something in this country that none of us have, has had to face. It's going to be really difficult, I believe. But we can still have joy even in the midst of persecution. Because the disciples did in Acts chapter 5. It says in verse 40, it says, To him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, and beat them. And they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. Now, do you think they were going to obey that command? Not to speak any more about Jesus? No. And the next verse says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. Rejoicing. What were they doing? Rejoicing. Why? Because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. That brings us joy when we obey Jesus Christ and even suffer for His sake. Not for our own stupidity, but for His sake. And they continued daily in the temple and in every house. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Lastly, we'll have joy when God's provisions are experienced. Back in our text in Genesis chapter 21. Now just think of Sarah. I mean, she's 90 years old. She didn't think she could have a baby humanly, but now she is holding in her hands this bundle of energy, this bundle of beautiful life. This little boy, Isaac. And she's holding him. And she says, God has made me to laugh. She was so happy. Can you just put yourself in her shoes? Can you imagine how happy she waited 25 years for this? And she's holding him. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would be able to give a child suck? That this child could find nourishment from my breast at the age of 90? It's, it's absurd to have thought this could have happened. She says, I've born a son in my old age. And she says, God has made me to laugh. Rejoice and laugh with me. Because I'm rejoicing in this son. So she was experiencing personally the provisions of God. Now obviously, the application there is any mother, you have a child, rejoice. Hold that baby. Hold that child. And keep holding them because you don't know how long you'll have them. And love your children. As it says in Psalm 113, verse 9, He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Oh, that's not politically correct. Keeping house? A woman keeping house? Oops. That's what the Bible says. Maybe if we get back to that, we'd have... More joyful women. To be a joyful mother of children, praise ye the Lord. You know, children are such an incredible blessing, a God-given blessing. Parenting is a great, great challenge that often brings tears and sleepless nights and difficulty. And sometimes mothers and fathers will want to complain about the situation, but you know what? It's the most joyous experience as well that one could have just about in this life. Almost one of the most enjoyed. So I say embrace, mothers, embrace your children and embrace the gift of motherhood and be a joyful mother of children. 
But as I close, I just want to make two applications here of, and, and it's of, this, of this principle that God's provisions, when God's provisions are experienced, when God gives us something and we experience them, we can rejoice. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So here's the birth of Isaac. What is the birth of Isaac like? What is the birth of Isaac what, what can we kind of compare the birth of Isaac to? We can compare the birth of Isaac to the, to the birth of the ultimate miracle son. The son of Abraham. The son of Isaac. The son of Jacob. The son of David, his name. Jesus Christ. Who was born of the miracle of a virgin birth. So the birth of Isaac foreshadows the ultimate Isaac. Because Abraham is going to take Isaac in the next chapter and and go and even offer him as a sacrifice. But God provided who in Isaac's place? A lamb. And the lamb who foreshadows Isaac is Jesus Christ who came to die for us in love. He came through the miracle of the virgin birth. But the second thing that the birth of Isaac... You know what the birth of Isaac is like? Go to these verses. Go to Galatians chapter 3. And I want to say this, and I, I want you to follow what I'm follow my thinking, and I'll be done in uh, just a moment. But God provided a miracle for Sarah and Abraham, and they needed to rejoice in, ex- in the experience of that miracle. Now, God has provided all of us a miracle, Jesus. And we need to experience Him. And in a sense now, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and here's how the birth of Isaac foreshadows Christ's birth, but it foreshadows our new birth. The birth of Isaac is a foreshadowing of another miracle birth. The miracle of your birth of you being born again from heaven, out of sin, from eternal death to eternal heaven, is a miracle. And look what Paul says, and carefully understand what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 7. I'll read verse 6 as well in Galatians 3, 6. It says, even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And we've looked at that in this series. That's Genesis 15, where Abraham believed God. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, and here he's talking about the faith in Jesus Christ, right? Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Now who was the child of Abraham? Isaac. Isaac was a miracle birth. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, You are a child of Abraham, spiritually speaking. Now, I'm not going to get all into this. And Paul is not saying that God does not have a plan still with Israel. He does have a plan with Israel. But spiritually speaking, when we are born again, we are the spiritual seed of Jesus Christ. And in the same sense, we are the spiritual seed of Abraham. We're like Isaac. You're a miracle. And what I'm saying today is, the Lord has visited you if you're saved. And He's kept His Word to you and brought you Jesus. 
And now you've experienced His provision of salvation. And we have something to rejoice in that this world cannot take away from us. They could take everything away from us. But they can't take away our faith. They can't take away the love that we have for Jesus. We've been born again. We're miracle children of Jesus by the power of the new birth. And it says it in Galatians 4 and verse number 28. And we may look at this later on in the passage uh, in our series because Paul here is drawing an analogy and we won't get all into it between uh, Hagar and Sarah and so forth. But notice just what he says in verse 28 and this is so powerful. Look what he says there. Read it with me. It says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Think about that. You're like Isaac, Paul is saying. When you believe in Jesus Christ, just as much as Isaac was a miracle child, you're like Isaac. We, brethren, Paul's talking to the church at Galatia, we, brothers and sisters, we are like Isaac because we are children of promise. You know that story of the maniac of Gadara. And you've got to read Mark chapter 5 if you never read that story. Mark has the fullest version of that maniac. This guy would be cutting himself. A lot of people, young people are cutting themselves these days. He was cutting himself. He was shrieking with horror. And, and then Jesus comes and visits him. Jesus visits him. And Jesus speaks the Word of God to him. And He delivered him from that, all those demons. He had like a whole legion of demons. He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And remember what the, what the demons did when they came out of that man? They ran into the herd of swine, and they all ran off the cliff. I mean, that, that man, was, he, was, he was possessed by some powerful demons. And no, nobody could even tame him. He would just break the chains whenever they tried to chain him. So he had like a superhuman strength as well. But Jesus completely transformed him. And I love it. After he was saved, you know what the first thing he did? It? He put on some clothes. And then he sat down. And he was sitting and he was clothed. And he had his right mind. And then the man said to Jesus, Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for all you've done for me. And he, and he said, now Lord, I just want to ask you one thing. Could you please help me? I want to stay with you. I want to follow you. I'll go wherever you go. I want to be with you, Lord. And Jesus said, no. I want you to go back to your friends. And I want you to tell them how I visited you. And how I kept my word to you. And how I've changed you. And how, how you have experienced a miracle of transformation. And you tell other people about that. Because you have something. See, this world is really depressed right now. They're discouraged. They're afraid. There's bad news barraging us day by day. But you have good news to share. You, you've been transformed. You've been changed. You have the joy of the Lord. Go tell your friends about the love of Jesus. Let's stand together as we pray. Amen. Help us, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Fill us with your joy today because you visited us. Because you keep your word. Help us to obey you, Lord. Even as Abraham and Sarah obeyed you in simple ways. But clear ways. You told them clearly, call the boy Isaac and circumcise him. And they did it. Lord, you've told us in clear ways how to obey you. To pray, to read the Bible. Be faithful in church and witness. Go home to your friends. So, dear friends, obey the Lord. Will you, be, will you be obedient to the Lord during these days, being faithful to read your Bible? Say amen. 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 Is that, and I'm speaking to you on Zoom as well if you're still there. I have no idea who's there, but God knows. Are you going to be faithful to the Lord and pray? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, just put your hand up and say, Yes, Lord, help me. We don't pray perfectly, but yes, Lord, help me to pray. Are you going to be faithful to the Lord and be faithful to His house during these days? If you're able to come to church, please come to church. Be faithful to God. If you're sick, for whatever reason you're shut in, then watch us on Zoom. If you're not at peace and coming, that's between you and God. But let's be faithful to the church through these times. Because these are difficult days where many churches are having difficult times. Many pastors are quitting, resigning their work as well. Let's be faithful to obey the Lord. And then just say, thank you, Lord, for your provision of salvation. I've experienced your love in my life. And help me to go and tell my friends about you, O Lord. We love you and we praise you. Is there anyone today, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, you can put your hands down, but is there anyone here today who'd say, Pastor Matt, I'm not sure that I'm saved. You talked about Isaac. You talked about a miracle birth. And maybe I lost you. You said, I don't even know what you're talking about there, Pastor. But I do know this. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to know that if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. And I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven today. And I need to make sure of it. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone like that? Just put your hand up. Say, pray for me, preacher. Is there anyone? If you have that question and we could help you, please contact us. Email us, call us, text us, or speak to us after the service. Now, Lord, please work. We pray that you'll leave us out of this place rejoicing. In Jesus' name, amen.